0: Invite you to turn in your Bibles first to Matthew chapter 13 verse 53 as I preach in your hearing and as you know we're preaching straight through the book of Matthew in the Just Jesus campaign, I have nothing to do with the title of this message. I have nothing to do with this message being preached on this night. What I do know is that, and I believe all God called preachers know, if you preach straight through a book, somehow God's Word is always relevant, and always on time, and always on point, because I could have preached this message this morning. In fact, I preached this message this morning without knowing, uh, really, uh, that this was going to be the next passage that we deal with, and as has been the custom of my sons who helped me in the preaching ministry, they do not skip even though they know we're going through this right now. This is the last passage in the Bible that my family as a whole would want me to preach on tonight. That includes my wife, because I have been preaching on this for probably over two months uh, or more, dealing with this, and actually going through this, and I have been going through this with my wife, Marika White, for over 34 years. This is the last passage in the Bible with the exception of the passage that Jesus says predicts, and states that your family will be your greatest enemies. Now let me tell you something the sweet evangelicals and I love them these are my people I'm not mad at anybody but we can get off base the, author, the, the orthodox brethren like the Pharisees and the Sadducees can get off base and many have. Have you ever heard of uh, being so educated you become dumb you extrapolate things out to the wrong place. That has happened to many of our sweet evangelical brethren who really didn't understand uh, um, the fact that they needed to believe the Word of God as the Word of God. And they've allowed professors and others to uh, forsake the Word of God and now they're out in Never Never Land with their ideas alone, and that is a dangerous place to be. Stick with the word. Uh, The reason why Dr. Billy Graham, God made him great is because he believed the word and he stuck with the word. The reason why Dr. Tony Evans is the leading uh, evangelical, and is really uh, over the evangelicals is because he fears God more than he fears man and that includes his own family and uh, and he is a man of the book he believes that Bible he doesn't go by his feelings he he would like to be like too, like everybody else but he he doesn't care about that uh, when it comes down to the Word. And so that's why God has raised him up for such a time as this. He's a man of the book with the education. See, this is why I say, you know, he was raised by a good, godly father and mother who believed the Bible. And he never forgot that. This is why I say, your preacher boys, if you will, that's what we used to call them, let them preach and stay under the pastor for about 10 years before you send them off to the cemetery. By the way, I passed by two cemeteries yesterday. First time, first time I've seen a cemetery in a while. They're right on on a certain highway I saw a church, then I saw about two or three different cemeteries, and that's where some of you send your preachers to the cemetery. They they have no clue what they're talking about. The life of the prophet, the true prophet of God, not these fake prophets running around here slapping your head and tossing you down to the ground and all this foolishness true prophets their words do not fall to the ground god make god will make them come to pass it's a lonely road it's a lonely road you got to be wired a certain way so i want to preach in your hearing tonight my beloved when jesus christ the son of god was disrespected and dishonored by his own family. The Just Jesus evangelistic campaign rose on day 2018 since January the 20th, 2017. Day 2403 since January the 1st, 2016. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 53 to 58. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Isn't that interesting how Jesus Christ was raised up for the brother by the name of Judas and he died by the hand of a Judas? Jesus, if you would recall, asked Judas a question. Now, Jesus knew what was happening. But he still asked Judas a question, as a human being. Doest thou betrayest me with a kiss, Judas? One of those striking questions. Now Jesus knew what was happening. Jesus knew that he was betraying him. He, Jesus is the one who said, there's one here who has a devil. What thou doest do quickly, you devil, you tear in the church, you religious but lost individual, you son of perdition, you son of the devil, and then when he came, Jesus still asked that question. I've asked a few people that question, too, in my own family. Doest thou betray me with a kiss? Doest thou betray me by trying to use money against me? Doest thou betray me acting like you're concerned about me? Doest thou betray me with a kiss, Jesus asked him? Anyway. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath his man, this man all these things? And they were offended in him. They were offended in him. They were offended in him. Isn't that interesting how people got offended in Jesus and he was doing good, preaching right, preaching the truth. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. If you were with me earlier today in the earlier service, you heard me tell my family members, so-called my family members, that I, I have no interest in meeting up with you. Precisely for the, because of this passage. I have no interest in having a, a family get together with you. I have no interest in a Thanksgiving dinner with you. I have no interest in a Christmas time visit with you because I already know you, and I'm not talking about my children right now, I'm talking about these other family members who all of a sudden are showing up after I have raised my children by myself, trying to mislead and misguide my children with their devilment. I told my children, when you get grown, if you want to make connection with other family members, that's your business. Just be careful. For some, are wolves in sheep's clothing. Most of them are lost, religious, but lost, and they're the worst kind of people. The worst kind of family members are the religious and lost crowd. I said that this morning. Not really... Uh, caught up in the message that I'm preaching tonight. My baby son, my youngest son, helped me with this. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Do you know that strangers have helped me? People that don't even know me have never met me, and I have never met them. Have treated me better than my own family. That's a fact. I said people who have never met me. I know of a couple. They they figured out what we were doing, and then they backed it up. And found out a way to help. Without uh, trying to not uh, let me know who it was doing it. it, Who was doing it. I mean they they had to go through some machinations to do this. They went so far as they found out what we were doing in our family business. And they would call their friends and listen... Uh, I'll pay for your book if you get your book published through this preacher and his family. They need the help. And the preacher would pay for the book, but the other preacher and his wife said we'll we'll give you the money. And and they still do it to this day. They don't know me from Adam's house cat. And I don't know them. And we, we really don't want to meet because it might mess up what God has done. And this has been over 20 years. A prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. In fact, the reason why, he doesn't know I know it, but God told me. The reason why our family landed well, living by faith for over 34 years with my wife and seven children and over 43 years uh, as a preacher and uh, an evangelist and prophet now by the grace of God, but I don't use those terms because... So many people full of hell and the devil have messed up the terms. I don't even want. uh, Is because of this couple. I don't even believe their children know what they did for us. They treated us like children. Like their own children. And they treated my children like their grandchildren. Doesn't know me. Certainly has concerns about me. From the get go, and I'm sure his wife said, "This, you want to support this Negro here, right here?" But <laughs> well, see, God had already touched his heart. God moved upon his heart and said, "You know, I'm, I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. It may be a big disappointment, but God right now is leading me to help this brother. I believe he's thankful to God he did so now." And we don't know each other to this day. Don't want to get to know each other. And, and one of the reasons why we probably don't want to get to know each other. Because I'm so different. We believe alike. But I'm so different than he is in my approach. And he's so different uh from me and his approach and we we work by the grace of God in tandem for the glory of God and and we we, we don't want to mess it up it's a God thing now I don't know if you've ever had this kind of experience but I know I have and my family has experienced it as well too and nobody from their camp, he, his wife, nobody, nobody in, related to them. Nobody told me who it was. He did a wonderful job. He and his wife did a wonderful job job hiding it. And they might have some good reason to hide it. Well, we don't. If he if he goes bust, we don't want anybody we support him. <laughs> I don't blame him. But I'm just telling you, and, and they're not the only ones. White folks. Southern white folks have done more for me than my own family and my children And my, my, my children need to know that and be reminded of that lest they get a, get caught up in the wickedness of the old family Now let me allow me my beloved to read a connecting passage found in Luke 4 16. And he came to Nazareth. Let me read verse 15 first to show you what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. In other words, he was famous in Los Angeles. He was famous in Chicago. He he uh, showed up and showed out in. Dallas, but he went back to his hometown and, and, and people knew of his fame. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, where he was raised. Some would call him a homeboy today in Nazareth. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the reunite. He's coming back as a rock star preacher. Jesus Christ superstar for real and there was delivered and by the way you need to stand up while I read the word of God Jesus stood up was he he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read so you need to get out of your easy chair get up off your bed Ain't ain't nobody looking at you yeah. Uh, we can't see you cut up, you might want to cut Alexa off because she can see everything and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was this is a parallel passage now he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord." And he closed the book. now preachers you need to keep your book open you're not Jesus Jesus is the book okay so you don't, get, don't get bad and, and you know how some of y'all do and, and, and close the book you keep it open and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them the day this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears allow me to share an experience with you that I've never experienced before the other day I visited a town and I walked in a store. I had never seen these men before. They had never seen me before. Nobody else in the store did this. And uh, and, and and listen to what I'm saying to you. Just telling you what happened. I was walking down the main aisle. And these three men, they bowed down to me and waved, and bowed down and waved. Three men. Now, they were evidently demon possessed by the way they were carrying themselves, and like they were, they were like coming from some place like a. Uh, a group home, or ward, or whatever—I I, I don't know. I—I I didn't stay around to 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 deal with it. I just and, and they and and I—I I, I just passed on. And I'm just sharing that with you because that happened the other day, about two days ago. It had never happened in my life before. But I believe the people were demon possessed and they recognized that a prophet was among them. Nobody else in the store did that. These folks, they, and they didn't do that to anybody else. I walked by. I was just similar to how I am. I had a white shirt on. Uh, I was not trying to impress anybody. I was just trying to get my stuff and go. And they all, they stopped. They all had a cart. They stopped and they bowed down and waved and bowed down and waved. They did it about three different times. Because we we passed each other three different times. And it was the strangest thing I I had, one of the strangest things I had ever experienced. I just thought I'd tell you that. That's free. It doesn't matter to me whether you believe it or not. I don't know what that was all about. So I just thought I'll share that with you. It was strange. Anyway. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them this day. Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? They always, you know, when you go back home, they always Isn't this Danny's son? Isn't this Shirley's son? You know, they, they, they can't believe it because of what God has done. And he said unto them, ye will surely say unto me this proverb physician heal thyself whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum do also here in thy country. Mm-hmm. And he said, verily, truly, the word verily means truly, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That's why so many prophets have been killed, because they're never accepted in their own country. They're hero every place else, they're honored every place else, they're rock star every place else, except with their own family. And, and that has not changed, and it's not going to change. Your family will be your greatest enemies if you stand for God. Because, see, they want to fit in with their other evil family members. They want to fit in with their, their uh, other evil uh, neighbors. And if you stand against their evil and sin, or a cousin's sin, then they, they're going to all hate you. And, they, and some of them want to throw you over a cliff. They are offended in you. See? Meaning, not only are they offended by what you say, they are embarrassed that you're so different. To the point that they won't even give you your due. And your honor and your respect. Like other people do. Who don't even know you. And he said, Verily, truly, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, Unto a woman that was a widow. Jesus is really stepping here. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with not only anger, but wrath. Wrath. You have family members who want to kill you. They they're not only angry with you, but they're full of wrath because of the things you say. Oftentimes not directed to them, but, but, but directed to everybody. But they get so angry and so wrathful about it because uh, you are offending their friends and their buddies and even their church members and their pastors and their pastor's wives. And they want to, and those pastor's wives and pastors want to use you to stop the prophet from preaching the truth because it's offending them is rocking that boat and almost turning it over. They want to use you, the family member. They put the heat on you, the family member. They try try to pay you money to stop him, to try to uh, embarrass him. And all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up in the church. Oh yes, family members and friends will rise up in the church against you, in the church house. and, and, And rose up and thrust him out, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The reason for the synagogue. The reason for the church. Who created them. And they're going to rise up against him. And throw him out of his temple. His synagogue. The devil is alive. This is how angry they get though. They will concoct all kinds of evil schemes. And when, they, when God knocks them down and they fail, they'll come back with something else. They'll come back with something else. They'll come back with something else to throw you out and throw you over the cliff. They hate your guts because you're making things difficult for them. Your own family members. Your own church members. And the sweet evangelicals. And the sweet evangelical mafia will try to destroy you. Oh, they're waiting, they're waiting, and they're planning, and they're, 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 they, they got things set up to catch you so that they can report uh, something about you, hoping that you will go away and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill wherein their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. They wanted to throw him down. Down, 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 off the cliff. Do you know their family members and friends, church members, who want to throw you down because you are a prophet called by God? But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of, the, of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Glory be to God in the highest. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to commence a series which will surely last at least seven weeks if the Lord Tires is coming and we live. Titled. Titled. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was disrespected and dishonored by his own family. Dr. Rick Warren, not, not Dr. Rick Warren, but. Uh, someone just as wise. He's now in heaven. His first name is Warren. Dr. Warren Worsby said the people of Nazareth were too familiar for familiarity breeds contempt. With Jesus in a human way, for he had grown up in their midst. It was a case of knowing him, if you will, after the flesh, and not having the spiritual discernment that God gives to those who will yield to him and believe in him these people walked by sight, not by faith, including their family members or the family members of Jesus Christ. They did not honor him. They dishonored him and disrespected him and not only them but the people in the neighborhood And oftentimes people dishonor the prophet of God, the man of God, in the neighborhood because the family dishonors him. The family disrespects him. Because the family wants to fit in with the folks in the neighborhood or in their Pharisaical Sadducecal church. They want to fit in with the powerful people who have money. They want to curry favor with them. They become little Judases so that they can fit in with everybody else and they condemn secretly. Or they'll come, family members will come smiling in your face like they love you and like you and they're concerned about you. But, behind your back, they laugh at you with the people in the neighborhood who don't like you. And they scorn you like the people in the neighborhood, talk about you like the people in the neighborhood. Why? Because they want to fit in to that group for various and sundry reasons. And joining in to condemn the prophet is the game they play. But always remember, as I said this morning, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And if you think that God does not know how to repay, you don't know God. And you will know why God is paying you back. And you will know that God is the one doing it. That goes for the neighbors and the neighborhood and the family members too. We've already read Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 4, they go together. Chapter 13 concludes with the account of Jesus Christ's final visit to Nazareth. Despite it being his own country, occupied with his relatives and friends and neighbors that he grew up around. The people there dishonored him, disrespected him. See, when they rise up in the church house, including the family members in the family church, and want and they're so angry and so full of wrath just because you read the scriptures and expounded upon the scriptures and then they want to push you out the door and try to find a cliff to throw you over the devil is behind that they were offended they were offended by him and in him this includes being embarrassed for what he is saying Uh, and so they join up with the family members join up with the other church members and neighbors and talk about him like a dog and scandalize his name and call him everything but a child of God because He's not saying the things that we're used to preachers saying. Why can't you just come on in and talk like the other preachers and shout us out of here and instead of all of this uh, heaviness and conviction and, and, and no, no shouting at all? Why do you have to point out the evil that we're doing? That's what prophets do. That's what they're called to do. They can't do any less than that. I tell you what, there's nothing like a cold glass of water in the summertime. And they did not believe in him. They did not trust in him. They did not have faith in him. They didn't therefore believe in what he was saying. You're not fitting in with the family religion. And most of of your enemies are religious. They think they know God and oftentimes they don't. All they know is religion. That's why so many have walked away from the faith over the past nearly three years, due to the coronavirus plague, because it doesn't fit with their false religion. By the way, where are the false prosperity gospel preachers? Where where art thou? Huh? You, we, can't, we, we don't hear from you. We can't hear from you. What's wrong, false prophets? Prosperity gospel preachers? See, because your false doctrine does not work at all times. The true gospel and the true word of God and the true ministry works 24-7. Every day, all day, around the year, in any country. The true faith in God and the true faith in Jesus Christ. And the true preachers who were were truly called by God, they're, they're still standing. And they're having great success in the ministry and doing great. And have not even thought about quitting. And they have not thought about committing suicide. And and let me just help you, people. The preachers who are committing suicide, I believe they're lost. They betrayed Jesus. And they're in hell. That's what I believe. I'm not going to join even some of my preachers, pastors that I respect. In trying to comfort people about a pastor or a so-called Christian committing suicide or walking away from the faith. They are Judases. They are lost and on their way to a devil's hell and they have never been saved. They're not walking away from the faith. They never had the faith, man. And you sweet evangelicals need to stop lying for these people and covering up for these people because you are setting other people up to blow their brains out thinking they're going to go to heaven. They're not. People who are saved don't blow uh, Jesus' brains out. Because Jesus is supposed to be uh, living inside of you. So what I don't know what you're talking about. You people have lost your minds. Have lost your righteous minds, you sweet evangelical Christians. You're trying to fit in with the world so much you're talking stupid. And you don't realize that the devil through so-called powers that be are intentionally playing a game on you, twisting your thinking, all the way back down to the ground and into hell, making you think that it's okay for people to, for a man to have try to have sex with another man, making you think that uh, it's okay for a woman to get married to a woman or a man to get married to a man, thinking that it's okay for some young people, with a straight face. Do you hear me, people? people? See, this is why you get mad at me. This is why you don't like me. This is why you would like to kill me. Because I say things like this. People coming to me, coming to you with a straight face, talking about, here are my pronouns, and I demand that you use them. And if you don't, I'm going to... Uh, accuse you before law for committing sexual harassment. And they say this with a straight face and I'm bursting out laughing in your face. Are you kidding me? Oh, I have opportunities. I'm well trained to be a chaplain. By the way, Dr. Tony Evans and Dr. Jonathan uh, Evans, if you want to, uh, uh you need an extra chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm ready. I'm ready because I'm not working at these other places. How would I look? A man is in the hospital bed dying of monkeypox because he's a homosexual. Transvestite, listen to me. Don't, don't start laughing yet. I'm I just I, how would I look as a chaplain at the Veterans Hospital with cameras on me, people watching me, and making sure I do it because they know I'm not going to do it? How would I look praying to God for a man dressed as a woman talking about his pronouns as she and uh, her? And uh, his name was Tommy, but now he calls himself Tammy, dressed in a dress, getting ready to die, and bust hell wide open. And, and I'm going to be praying for Tammy, to God, who knows he is Tommy. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not doing that. And even as a chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys, I wouldn't do it. And I hope to God we don't have anybody like that in the Dallas Cowboys organization. I'll be highly disappointed. Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. Jonathan Evans, it would be one of the greatest honors of my lifetime if you can let me do that for one year. I've been a fan of the Dallas Cowboys since 1968. And I'm I'm well trained to be a chaplain. But I am not going to take these jobs offering $110,000 a year. And the they, 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 jobs are more plentiful now. But one of the things they're going to want me to do is call a man by woman's name and even pray for them in the woman's name and I know he's a man God knows he's a man everybody in this hospital knows he's a man uh, that's what I wanted to do in my latter years along with continuing to preach and then when they hear me preach on YouTube or they hear me preach on Facebook or whatever they're going to find me for that too so it, it, there's no need for me to even get into that and if uh, the Dallas Cowboys got uh uh, protocols and things that uh, they want me to address people by their pronouns and all of that. Then I guess I, I'll never be a Dallas Cowboy chaplain because I'm not doing that. I can't. <laughs> I would. I would break out laughing myself trying to. Uh, couldn't do that. Why can't you? Why can't you do that? That's what they choose. I don't care. I'm not doing. I'm not gonna be a part of their evil. I'm not going to be... I can't. There are other pastors who can do that. That's fine. I can't do that. The BKC of Dallas Theological Seminary and the Bible Knowledge commentary regarding this passage says about this passage, after instructing his disciples... Jesus returned to his hometown, Nazareth, and taught to the people in their synagogue. On a previous visit to Nazareth, the populace had rejected his teaching and attempted to throw him over a cliff, that is in Luke, which I read to you. This time the people were impressed with his powers and his teachings, but they rejected him still. So you have family members and you have friends and you have neighbors in the down in the hood. and uh, they they're impressed at what you have done. They don't know that God is the one who did it to, to you, and you can't explain it to them because they see you as junebug. Whatever they called you last time they saw you. They don't know that you have the anointing of God on you now. And you can't explain that either. They can care less. As far as they're concerned, you're Junebug. You're Daniel White Jr.'s son. Shirley's son. They remember him as the carpenter's son. They mention four half-brothers of Jesus, children born to Mary and Joseph after the birth of Jesus Christ. Three of these sons, James, Simon, and Judas, are not to be confused with three of the twelve by the same names. The people of Nazareth refused to believe in Jesus Christ, their own homeboy. They refused. Other people all around were impressed. He was a rock star, but not not where he was raised. So pastors out there, preachers, don't feel bad when your family members and people in the neighborhood don't respect you and don't honor you. Do you know most great preachers, they, they have to minister someplace else besides their hometown. Very, very few pastors do well in their hometown. Very, very few. Very few, if any. And they hampered his ministry there. They hindered his ministry there, cause they didn't even have faith in him. They didn't have faith in God regarding him. Oh, he's just a he's just a young buck, uh, raised right down the street, down there with Joe and them carpenter, yeah. Nazareth's problem was the danger of the familiar, for the city's residents could not see beyond the young man who had grown up among them. They couldn't see it. They were blinded to who he truly was, for familiarity breeds contempt. My greatest enemy, I've told you this many times, in my life and in my ministry has been my own wife. But to her credit, in recent weeks, recent months, she has admitted, she said, I tell you, I never thought that God would use you in this way. I never in my life thought that the things that God has allowed you to do, and the accomplishments, and preaching the gospel every day, and all of that, I never saw it. I never saw it. And uh, one of the reasons is because of familiarity. That's why uh, you know, in most cases, your wife may be your greatest enemy. Your children may turn out to be your greatest enemy. And and don't believe what you say. Now here here you are. You you're their father. You raise them. They they'll believe some little kook, some little uh, uh, homosexual in the family more than they believe you. They'll believe somebody in the family they don't even know, who never did anything for them. Grandmothers and grandfathers and other family members never even inquired properly. About them, they'll believe some lie they tell them, and they won't believe you and stand with you. And they know your life and manner of life. That's a part that that comes from the evil in them, and in and the evil uh, in the family, other family members, and the evil from the devil working. On them to destroy their lives. And this is across the board. It makes no difference who you are, or how great you are. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own home, with his own family members and kinfolk. That's it. The devil specializes in that. Jesus is the one who gave the proverb that has lived for over two thousand years. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own family among his own kinfolk. Surely one so ordinary could not be the promised Messiah, the Son of God. This was their mentality. Now I don't even use titles, and I and God led me to do that right at the beginning of my ministry. My name is Daniel White the Third. That's it. So my eye is itching. I. I don't use titles because uh, the preachers of today, male and female, have messed up the titles. And there are so many people in the church who don't have a title in the world, especially black folk. Pardon me. I have an itchy eye, especially some black folk in black churches, so everybody has a title, and they think that's about something, it means nothing people, Bishop So-and-So, Apostle So-and-So, and some people string titles along like my mother, Apostle, Pastor, Evangelist, teacher, counselor, and all this. And then if there's no biblical, the person has no biblical calling, now you have first lady, second lady, third lady, all of this foolishness. And lady this and lady that. I told you about the woman who was preaching at a storefront church I said a storefront church couldn't hold them, one by 18 people, legally. She was an archbishop, people, and I've been preaching against this for years, people. It's not about having the title, it's about doing the work of the ministry. Back in Paul's day, they didn't go around talking about, uh, my name is teacher, uh, Donald Dummy. <laughs> 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 then he went around teach, going around talking about I'm apostle so and so. We call them apostle so and so. And they're no apostles today. I'm pastor so and so. My name is pastor so and so. Especially some of the women preachers. They want you to know that they, they want and they want you to call them by their title, because they, they feel like you're disrespecting them. You don't believe them uh, if you don't call them by their title. I don't call you by. I'm not calling you by nothing. I'm calling you, by, I'm, I'm calling you Mrs. Butler or whatever your name is. Or well, that's it. Uh, I'm Evangelist uh, Jessica. Uh, nobody. This, this is what we hear. This, 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 listen to me. This is what we have heard for the past 20, 30 years in churches, especially in charismatic churches, where the people, are, uh, many people, are uneducated as far as theological schooling goes, and so forth. And then, uh, uh, and and in black churches, everybody has a title, trying to be important. They can't be be important out in the business world. So they want to be important in the church. And that's not the place to be important. And be important. As that black lady said. In the movie. Okay. It's not about being important, man. People. Get over it. I I, I, I have not used titles in 40 years. I had to, uh, when they did my LinkedIn page, there was another man named Daniel White, same spelling, third and everything, up in Washington, D.C., and he was black. So for my LinkedIn page, um, my children had to put reverend. I hate it. But that's the only way to distinguish between me and this other man uh, who does something else totally different. I hate it with a pastor. And I've never used the word reverend. But it's, that's what we have in LinkedIn. And as soon as this other man disappears uh, from the face of the earth, I'm taking that reverend off. I hate it with the passion. I hate it. I don't let people call me reverend. Titles don't mean anything. It's about the word. When the Bible talks about a teacher, that means you need to teach. The Bible talks about you being a pastor, calling you to be a pastor. You need to pastor. The Bible calls you. Uh, the Bible uh, tells you that you're an evangelist. That means you need to evangelize. You don't be going around talking about I'm an ev- I'm evangelist, so and so. Everybody got a title. It's disgusting. I was in uh, just visiting my mother's uh, church, uh, see what was going on there, uh, and uh, quite frankly. Uh, just an abomination uh, and she was up in the pool pit and i was in the back just just kind of uh, biding time i appreciate uh, the help she gave my family and i during that time i have no problem with that as a as my mother uh, but uh, in the church she, she went around calling people by their titles and then she asked me what uh, uh, son what's your title now I didn't even want to say anything. But you got people who they, they think that is so important. I say, Well God called me as an evangelist, as you well know. And that was it. But I've always used my name, Daniel White the Third, to distinguish from my great father, Daniel White Junior. But, be that as it may, if you are a prophet, you need to do the work of a prophet. Don't worry about being called a prophet. And I hate that. I don't use prophet. I know what God called me to do. Uh, I didn't call myself to do this. I can assure you that. I don't like all other people. I like to be loved and appreciated and respected and all of that as well. But, uh, at the same time, God, why me? That, that does not matter, as long as I'm loved by God and God is uh, pleased with what I'm doing. Just for the title, we have a podcast called The Prophet Daniel, uh, where we talk about prophecy. It's a play on word. My name is Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the Bible. I was named after my dad who named me after Daniel in the Bible. All of my children have Daniel in their name. And I named them after Daniel in the Bible. And so, ladies and gentlemen, consequently, they rejected the Messiah and took offense at him. They took offense. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He just told the truth. Jesus was not surprised. And, and let me say to you preachers, you pastors and you prophets who your family turns against you. They don't support you on... times, there's just one thing they can't stand about you preaching on. Because they got a gay friend that they don't want you to preach on it because they want to defend their gay, homosexual, lesbian friend and they hate you for doing that you're like a bully to them and so let me tell you something be like Jesus on this and don't be shocked don't be surprised when your family pull their stunts and your friends pull their stunts I believe that certain people in my family marvel that I'm still preaching the same old way and I'm not bothered with their foolishness It doesn't faze me whatsoever. I expected it. And see, that's something they don't understand. God will forewarn you about certain people in your family who will try to hinder you in the ministry. Why wouldn't he? The little stunts that they play, the little tricks that they try to pull. You already, see, the prophet of God already knows that, that you're doing it. So you're not surprised. You're not shocked. And one of the reasons why you're not shocked is because you're praying without ceasing and God is constantly telling you things that are going to happen. For he cited what has become a common proverb, namely, that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown and family. And sometimes you have to tell your family members, no, I, I don't want you to tell me, I already know. God has already told me. And they'll never understand that. As a result of their lack of faith, Jesus performed few miracles there. For they didn't believe in him. They didn't trust in him. And basically what these people will do is try to call you a liar. When they're the ones who are lying and living a lie and don't even know the truth. All that is designed by the devil to discredit you. To bring this down home in a practical sense, I have to preach it to you like this because Jesus gave the proverb because he talked about prophets in general, not just him. It is a principle that we must learn and understand. It's going to be that way for the true prophets of God. And the true prophets of God, they shine in the darkness like this by the grace of God they reflect God's light in this evil and dark world and they're wired in, in a way where they don't quit won't quit can't quit and that's another reason why your family members and friends will hate you you're not you're not one of them you you you're not a normal family member you, you you act like you're not even paying us any attention No, it's not about that. uh, You're still loved by the prophet. The prophet is praying for you. He tells you the truth because he does love you. But he's not going to let you hinder him from doing what God has called him to do. And instead of fighting against him, God wants you to join with him and stand with him and support him. And you will uh, receive... A prophet's reward. If you give a prophet a cold glass of water, the Bible says, you will receive a prophet's reward when you help the prophet. Uh, I used to tell my children when they were little, and they would bring me some water, or they bring me a, a cloth uh, to wipe the sweat off my brow. I said, you will receive a prophet's reward. I have so much more to say tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close at that junction. Let's pray. Holy Father God, in heaven, I praise you and I thank you uh, for your holy word. I thank you, Lord, for as my sons, uh, uh, who are not perfect people at all. but when it comes down to your word, down through the years, they have never veered to the right or the left. Uh, uh, they have stayed with what uh, I want to preach and uh, and even though and both of them know that this is the last passage on earth besides the passage dealing with which is similar your greatest enemies will be they of your own household which my oldest son helped me with that series a long time ago and I believe it was if not the best, one of the best series uh, that we worked together on I preached. It helped me tremendously and it was a sermon series that stuck. It stuck in my spirit and prepared me for this was way back before uh, the coronavirus plague. This was back before I started preaching, I believe every day, uh, a long time ago. But uh, my son Daniel fourth was the one helping me with the sermons at that time and, and the, the message, was, message was clear as a bell in every sermon and it blessed my heart blessed my heart tremendously and the children were young and 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 innocent in their hearts and willing to serve and work so it was not anything that was a a present threat but you Lord prepared me for what I'm dealing with today and this is another timely passage uh, that is so powerful so important And it's more, Lord, for me than it is for my family members and friends. Because your proverb will remain in place. No matter what I preach, no matter what I say, no matter what I say to them or do with them, uh, a prophet uh, is not without honor save in his own family, among his own kinfolk. So I don't even try to uh, connect with them on that level. Uh, I will continue to preach to them just like I preach to everybody else. And, uh, and I believe that distance is good and healthy at this junction and point uh, so that they can see this as an, an outsider trying to help them. So that they will hear the gospel and be saved themselves. And I believe that once they get saved they will be more helpful instead of going against me in the ministry they'll be more helpful in the ministry and they will not try to turn my children that I raise for your glory praise and honor against me and Lord uh, help them to understand if they are even uh, successful in doing that a little bit Uh, one day uh, that will all turn around and backfire in their faces and so Holy Father God I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will grant me and others who are on this lonely road as prophets to a nation uh, gone astray and a world gone astray in these perilous times Continue, Lord, to help us as David did by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And Lord, we pray at the same time that you would save our family members and friends and enemies, save those who are lost uh, in this country and around the globe, revive those who are saved, Heal those who are sick according to your will. And comfort those who are grieving. Grant me your energy, your strength, your unction, and your anointing to preach your holy gospel one more time so that others may come to know your Savior. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and forsake. Amen. And so, dear friend of mine, If you are with us tonight and you are religious but lost, religious but not saved, irreligious but not saved, the question is to you, if you were to die tonight and that is possible because tomorrow is not promised you, where would you go, heaven or hell? If you don't know the answer you need to listen. If you know that you would go to hell you need to listen. Those of you who have believed in Christ and you have assurance you're going to heaven you need to pray. And so ladies and gentlemen tonight here's how you can be saved from the eternal burning hell. And saved to heaven to be with God, Jesus Christ, the angels and the saints. First, dear friend, accept the fact that you are a sinner. That you have done evil in God's sight repeatedly. You've sinned against God by lying, living a lie, stealing, lusting, uh from your heart after other people and other things coveting what other people have and even coveting other people dishonoring and disobeying your parents disrespecting your parents Dishonoring God by taking his name in vain. We all have sinned, the Bible says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore we all need to be saved. Because the Bible says in Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. We die because of sin. We do not die because of cancer. You don't need to fear cancer, you need to fear sin. We don't die because of the coronavirus. We don't die because of cardiac arrest. See, this is one of the reasons why people hate prophets because uh, he breaks it down as to the real reason why we are dying. It's not because of what you think and what you're used to. You want to hear what you're used to. But what you're used to will damn your soul to hell. You die because of your sin, for the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment that you're going to receive at the end of your life for your life of sin, pride, stubbornness, rebelliousness, lying, stealing, dishonoring and disobeying your parents, not loving your wife, not... Submitting to your husband. Dishonoring your parents. Dishonoring God by taking His name in vain. Committing adultery. Committing fornication. Committing homosexuality. Committing incest and all sorts of sins. You will die and go to hell for your sins. Your sinful nature and your sinful choices. If you don't stop by the cross and look to the cross and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world, including yours, and believe in Him. Believe in your heart that He suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins. Was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. If you don't do that, I want you to understand that God does love you. There's no doubt about that. He's done everything He could to provide salvation for you. But you do need to understand That if God allows you to die for your sins, and he will, you will die one day. By the way, the great Bill Russell died today. The beautiful woman who played, black woman who played on Star Trek, she died today and one day you will die. No matter how great a life you lived. And Bill Russell lived a great life and so did the woman on Star Trek. They had... Uh, Great privileges and great honors, but they're both dead today. And you will die. It doesn't matter how many honors you have down here. You will die and meet your maker. So you need to prepare to meet thy God. You need to get your house in order. For the Bible says, it is appointed on the man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so God wants you to understand that if he will allow you to die because of your sins, and he will. That is a judgment. There's not, it's nothing fun about it. It is a painful judgment. Uh, the most frightening thing on this earth is going through the process of... Of ceasing to exist, my friend. That's frightening. I don't care who you think you are. And then after that, the judgment. You will answer to God for what you did in this life. God is a loving God and a fair God. But He's a God of justice. Sin has to be dealt with, one way or another. Either you're going to believe in Jesus Christ who dealt with your sin and took your sin far, far away. Or you're going to deal with your sin in hell and suffer uh, the consequences of your sins in hell. Where Jesus Christ preached on hell more than anybody else in the Bible. When he said the fire in hell shall never be quenched. The fires in hell shall never be quenched. The fires in hell shall never be quenched. And so, dear friend, Jesus Christ said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou you shalt be saved, saved from the lake of fire, saved from burning in hell forever, and saved to heaven to have peace forevermore with God and Jesus. the saints of God and the angels of God. So, dear friend, right now tonight, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ has instructed you. Believe that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins as the Son of God was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God. And call on his name, for the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let's pray the sinner's prayer. Repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, I realize and I admit that I am a sinner and that I have sinned grievously in your sight and repeatedly. I know that I deserve to burn in hell forever and ever. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul and please forgive me of all of my many sins As I now believe with all of my heart in you, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for my sins. Was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul tonight. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to change. Help me to turn from my evil, wicked, and ungodly ways. Help me to truly repent. And Lord, help me to follow you in the newness of life. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray and forsake. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you just believed in your heart as Jesus Christ instructed you to believe in him, to trust in him, to have faith in him. And you prayed the sinner's prayer with me and you meant it from your heart. I declare, based upon the word of God, that you are now saved from hell and you are on your way to heaven. To grow in the faith, please go to gospellightsociety.com And read my little book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. It is a free download. You can begin reading within the next five minutes. And it will give you the next steps uh, to become a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And also please email us at dw3 at and let us know that you got saved and uh, so that we can rejoice with you and send you some more materials and stay in touch with you and encourage you in the faith. Until next time, my beloved, may God bless you and keep you is my prayer as we listen to that beautiful old song thank you lord let's pray holy father god i praise you and i thank you i thank you for what you have done today for what you're doing uh today what you have done in the past all i can say is thank you and i give you all of the glory praise and honor for all of it is due your name thank you lord in Jesus Christ's name I do pray and forsake amen i don't know why Jesus loved me